Um, but yeah, I guess let's let's start off. Um, so, what's up, fam? Uh, for the past few weeks, you know, we kind of listened to Rahul and Curtis's stories here out here on Run Off the Mill, uh, and they both have very kind of diverse backgrounds, and I think a lot of very relatable stories for people of our generation. Um, but kind of on the other hand, my story is definitely much more on the kind of traditional or standard, uh, well-beaten path of life. Um, so hopefully not a lot more boring uh, than what Curtis and Rahul have gone through. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'll, I'll mention very, very first off uh, that a lot of my success in life uh, is due in part to how lucky I've been. You know, for the most part, uh, I've had a very supportive, uh, you know, set of family and friends, uh, Rahul and Curtis included. So I'm super grateful for where I'm at today. Uh, I think just to kind of talk about my career journey, I'll start off high level in high school. Um, so in high school, you know, I was always like pretty decent at math. And I'll start this off with, you know, we have in 10th grade, um, we have here in the US, we have to take uh, something called the PSAT, or it's kind of like our standardized uh, testing um, in the US. And on that standardized testing, there's a questionnaire at the end that asks you, you know, what potential career field uh, do you want to go into? And so the, these career fields are like super broad. Um, but since I was always pretty good at math, I was like, okay, let me just check off uh, finance and accounting for my future career. And so when junior year came around, uh, I was kind of like, okay, I'll just be a CPA. Uh, you know, it's like a super stable job. There's like pretty good income and it's, there's like pretty chill life, I think. Uh, it's really funny because like when I mentioned it to my parents uh, who are Chinese, uh, they were like, oh, yeah, that's a great career path. <laughs> and they were like perfectly fine with it, which I think is like completely opposite to, you know, a lot of kids who want to pursue, uh, you, you know, maybe less stable uh, career paths. So, you know, that went all super well. I was going to be an accountant. I was like, okay, let's just study math. Uh, cool story. Uh, but then kind of during senior year, you know, there was this kind of perfect storm of events that kind of led into my career into ultimately becoming an actuary. Um, so first of all, my AP Calc teacher uh, mentioned to me one day, hey, Patrick, you know, you should consider being an actuary. And I was taking AP Calc and AP Stats with him. And at the time, I was like, okay, you know, what, what the fuck is that? <laughs> uh, but then a couple days later, in, in tied to this, you know, perfect storm, you know, I found this video on YouTube, which was like top 100 jobs of the next decade. Uh, and you can imagine that, you know, this was right after the 2008 financial crisis. So I think most of the people at the time were seeking, you know, long-term stability. So this video was like super impactful to me. Um, especially when I heard that, you know, people were getting laid off, it was hard to get, you know, a stable job. Um, and when I watched that YouTube video, you know, actually just happened to be number one on that list. And it was like, good work-life balance, uh, you know, makes decent money. Uh, and I was like, all right, that sounds pretty cool. It should be pretty comparable uh, to getting a CPA. And so I was like, okay, let's let's try that. Um, yeah, and so I kind of packed up my bags and moved over from New Jersey all the way to the West Coast uh, to attend UC Berkeley for college. Uh, actually, Patrick, uh, can I stop you right there? So what, what went down into, um, you know, the college decision for you? Why Berkeley and why not you know, another place like, you know, Rutgers, for instance? Yeah, great question. Um, so, you know, I was lucky enough to get into a pretty big pool of schools. I think I applied to like 24 colleges, which is kind of absurd uh, looking back on that. And I was accepted to, I, I believe, 22 of those colleges. Um, and of course, my parents were like, you should go to Rutgers with Curtis and Rahul so you guys can stay close friends and you can be close to home and we'll be a happy family. Um, and after a couple weeks of that, I was kind of thinking, okay, maybe, maybe I will just go, you know, to Rutgers. Um, they had offered me a pretty good scholarship. Um, but then like the college acceptance letters just kept coming in and, you know, I was accepted, you know, very thankfully into like Georgetown, into Carnegie Mellon, into, uh, University of St. Louis, Missouri. And so I kind of applied to school, like all over the country, just randomly as well. Um, studying in like either math or stats. Um, and it kind of ticked with my dad where he was like, you know, maybe rather than coming home and staying close to home, maybe you should go out and live somewhere further. 
uh, and try to experience life outside of New Jersey and kind of broaden up your perspective. And so I really appreciate my dad for kind of having that thought process um, because I definitely wouldn't be here who I am today if I just kind of stayed, you know, very local, right? And you know, kind of funny story with that I'll mention is, you know, uh, I went to Berkeley and my first class was multivariable calculus uh, in a classroom of 650 students. And so you can imagine like going to like a small high school classroom uh, to like 650 people in a lecture hall, and it's like completely different, right? Um, and on that first day, even funnier part of the story was I had like logic uh, as kind of an elective class as like my second class during the day. And in that logic class, um, you know, halfway through the class, some dude who is just stark naked just walks in through the door and like just sits down. Uh, and he was like expressing his personal freedoms. And that's when I learned that uh, this is Berkeley's uh, liberal culture. And the professor didn't even bat an eye. There's just some dude with his like, uh, you know, private areas just hanging out. And he's just like, all right, let me start taking notes. Um, but yeah, that, that was what Berkeley was like when I attended. So you were a freshman and I guess this guy has been in college for a semester or two, but were there other students that are just look, looking behind and like, what the heck? Was that guy yeah. naked? I mean, especially some of the younger students. Um, oh, like, yeah. Yeah, it, it was definitely a very eye-opening experience. I will mention that Berkeley has a tradition of something called the naked run uh, every semester where probably, I would say almost up to like 200 students just they're completely naked, uh, some wear sneakers, some do not, and they just do like a complete lap around college, uh, around campus, and they go through every building. Uh, and usually this is around like finals time. And I think a lot of people think of it as like liberating and freeing. And uh, again, these are a lot of the principles um, that I was exposed to just being at such a wide and diverse and open place like Berkeley. You know, I thought Rutgers was liberal, but Berkeley blows it out of the water. This is something else, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that perspective was, you know, super good, um, which is why I was, again, kind of super happy uh, to end up on the West Coast and, you know, really try to do something different and be around different people. Um, but yeah, I guess kind of continuing the story, Rahul, unless you have anything uh, you want to ask there. No, I'm just intrigued by how free-spirited the people of California are compared to us born New Jerseyans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, again, it was like super eye-opening to me. And, you know, I know this has nothing to do with, you know, career, but I, I think it's important context and understanding, you know, depending on where you're at now, if you do decide to move to somewhere new, you know, there can definitely be, you know, a bit of a culture shock, right? And maybe yeah. it's not as extreme as, hey, I'm going to walk into class and see some naked dude, you know, sitting three rows in front of me. Um, but it's important to make sure you're prepared and adaptable to those changes. And those changes are not necessarily a bad thing. Right, yeah. Uh, but, great that your father really encouraged you to go out and explore something new because, yeah, I know, as you mentioned, like geography is very important for how we do both. So, just, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Super grateful for that, you know, as well. You know, I was obviously sad to leave. Uh, you two behind, um, but look at where I'm at today. <laughs> it's interesting because I think it's like it's a, such a maturity factor plays in such a big um, a big role in you know you being able to move out to like a very unknown area and then establish like your new self, your new phase. Uh, definitely, when I was here in New Jersey, like a lot of things that I think limited my chances is that I didn't apply to many colleges and you know um, my parents also just didn't have let's say the money we, we were very middle class however you know of course they don't have the money to be like you know I'm gonna pay for you know an education in a different state which obviously it would cost a lot more so you know I think it really again going back to it takes a really certain mature person to actually take that opportunity and actually be successful at the end you know um, hats off to you Patrick thanks yeah, and you know, super grateful to my dad for kind of, you know, bringing that that kind of thought into my mind. Um, and I understand that not everyone is, is lucky enough to, you know, afford that opportunity. Uh, but yeah, I think having that, you know, just experience and uh, life change overall is kind of partial to why, you know, millennials and people of our, our generation love to travel today. 
right? Again, it's seeing those new things. It's about you know living through you know those different experiences that kind of help you grow as a person. Okay, hopping back to the story. Um, so, kind of starting out as a freshman, and again, this is not super career oriented, but I think it gives some context uh, as to how I kind of progressed my career. Um, but the first thing that you usually do when you head to college is uh, you go to frat houses and you start partying uh, with some of your newfound freedom uh, away from home. Um, and, you know, kind of in my first couple times going out and partying, you know, something that I realized very quickly was, um, you know, a lot of the older kids at the parties are, you know, usually super mature and they have a ton of life experience, at least. I think this happened last time, but this is something I can edit out where, yeah, he comes back. Whoops, I don't know why that crashed on me. I apologize. All right, um, to kind of start off again, you know, uh, something that you, you know, that I really kind of learned was, hey, all of these, you know, older kids have, you know, uh, experience and they're super mature. And ultimately how it kind of clicked with me was, if I'm going to learn how to, you know, quote unquote college or do the college experience properly, like I need to align myself with a lot of these older kids. Right. And that was kind of like my first experiencing experience of, you know, kind of building my, my network, quote unquote, in a certain way, uh, or having kind of like an informal mentor in some of these older college kids who have gone through what I was about to go through. Um, so basically, like my first semester in college, you know, I just went out as often as possible um, to kind of meet all of these upperclassmen uh, who had these super interesting life stories. Um, and I found these kind of like juniors and seniors, you know, who would, uh, first of all, uh, be the casual alcohol hookup. Uh, for the record, I do not condone underage drinking. Um, but, you know, really just kind of finding, again, those individuals that I could ask hey, you know, general questions about what classes to take, you know, relationship advice, and even, you know, questions about how to recruit and get a job or an internship. So I think having some of those informal mentors or older friends were, you know, really a catalyst uh, contributing to my success uh, in college and later my career. So Patrick, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, those mentors, were you just talking to them about um, sort of positions or just more of just courses and, you know, your um, hobby of math at that point? Yeah, good question. So I kind of asked them about like everything. And I think it was such a crucial moment for me because when you move to somewhere that's completely new, it's definitely a very daunting experience, right? And then, you know, after high school, I was like, oh, I kind of want to be an actuary. But uh, what, what does that actually mean, right? Like, what are the steps that you need to get a job, right? Are there examinations required? Is the stats and math degree actually the correct major to study to become an actuary? Like, what are those, like, middle steps that I need to take to get there, right? And rather than relying on, you know, like a career counselor or like a course counselor, which you definitely can do, or like going off the internet, I just thought it would be easier to just talk to someone who had already gone through that, right? So I basically, again, you know, went out to these parties found these math and stats majors and were like, hey, you know, what did you what did you think about this class? Like, was it hard? Should I take this class? Is it actually useful? And then they kind of give me the feedback. Um, so I don't need to like beta test it on my own. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I really loved a lot of that experience. Um, and I'm super grateful for it again. But yeah, it was really funny because a lot of times, like whenever I had like one on one, you know, lunches or grabbing coffee with people, um, if it was someone new that I just met, I would always ask them, like, hey, tell me your, your life story. Like, what have you done to get up to this point? Like, what, are, what do you love? What are you afraid of? What are you looking forward to? And all of those things kind of help build their character and help me understand them as people. Um, and a lot of that kind of became advice and energy for me to use um, in kind of defining who I am as a person, as well as selecting my career path. So moving forward, you know, it turns out that most of these kind of, you know, sophomore, junior, senior friends uh, that I aligned myself with were, you know, part of a lot of business clubs. Um, and so immediately to kind of, you know, copy that, I was like, hey, why don't I go out 
and join all these business clubs so I could just hang out more with these uh, super interesting and cool people. Um, so I joined kind of two primary organizations in college, you know, one for uh, actuarial and data science and another for uh, business finance and accounting. Um, and really through those two clubs is where I learned kind of at a baseline, how do I handle my resume? How do I go through an interview? How do I network with professionals? Uh, how do I send follow-up emails? Uh, and all the other kind of standard, you know, general stuff that you'll need to know uh, when it comes to recruiting as well as jobs. Uh, yeah, so even as early as my freshman year, you know, I started going out to uh, professional events to network and uh, learned about, you know, the whole concept of internships and externships. Um, so it just so happened that, you know, winter of my freshman year, I got an externship uh, out, out of an application that I just sent out a whim uh, to one of the big four accounting firms in San Francisco. Uh, and that externship was shadowing people in audit. Um, and so this was kind of that time period where, you know, I was kind of set on being an actuary, but I didn't really know what an actuary was. So I was like, okay, you know, kind of as a potential backup plan or just kind of my initial interest in being an accountant, why don't I check out what CPAs do, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis uh, at this one week externship. And so, you know, there's a, there's a funny story about this that I usually like to tell, which is uh, given that this was kind of my, my first corporate experience, uh, I never really had a job before this outside of just tutoring math. Uh, and I was only 18 at the time. You know, the way that I planned things for the externship was done really poorly. So initially after, you know, freshman winter semester ended, uh, I flew back home to New Jersey. Uh, Curtis, you, Rahul, and I all hung, hung out um, and to kind of save money um, for my flight back to California. I decided to book the red-eye flight overnight uh, straight into my first day at work. Uh, and so you can imagine this was a terrible idea. Uh, not only was the flight delayed, uh, but I pretty much had to go straight from uh, San Francisco International Airport, uh, take BART downtown, and go straight into the office. Um, and so again, you know, a couple, you know, uh, fiasco pieces here. You know, I was late, number one. Uh, I was like carrying my luggage into the office. And number three, I was like wearing a t-shirt and jeans. And like everybody else uh, in the extra was all like suited up. And I was like, oh, I, I definitely fucked up here. <laughs> And, you know, I, I think that was a really good experience for me because, you know, I ultimately learned, you know, it is better to fail and to mess early uh, rather than later because you best bet for any other job that I took moving forward, you know, I definitely didn't, you know, come into my first day of work uh, very casually late uh, and wearing like a hoodie and jeans. Um, so moving forward to kind of sophomore year, as you know, most of my closest friends were, again, one to two years older than me, uh, a lot of them were like really stressing out about applying to jobs and internships and whatnot. And so around this time, I was kind of like, hey, why don't I uh, join in on this process too? You know, during freshman year, I just sent in a random application for an externship slash shadowing, uh, and I got it. And so I was like, okay, let me just try applying to jobs too. And basically all my friends were like, hey, uh, you know, you got lucky last year and you should have realistic expectations. Uh, and that I probably wouldn't get uh, any jobs, right? My resume had like very few leadership experiences. You know, again, I only really worked as a math tutor. Um, but, you know, I had nothing to lose here, right? And so I, I kind of thought of it just as like, you know, having fun and as practice for you know, the real recruiting experience that I would need to go through uh, in a couple of years. So I applied to like 30 uh, finance, actuarial accounting internship positions through a variety of places, you know, LinkedIn, company websites, uh, Berkeley Career Center. And uh, uh, no, no surprise, I didn't hear back at all. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I wrote all these cover letters and I sent out all these apps. I did my resume and this, this sucks. Um, but I was like, okay, you know, I'm not going to let this get me down. Uh, I just put my head down and I'm, I applied to 20 or 30 more. Um, and after I sent out that kind of batch, you know, over the course of those three weeks, I actually heard back uh, from two of my initial applications from the first round. 
Um, both of them were in actuarial roles. Uh, one was within an insurance company and the other was with a large consulting firm. And so as soon as I got uh, the feedback from those two applications saying, hey, we'd like to set up a phone screening, uh, you know, you best know that, you know, I basically spent the next 10 days, like, you know, practicing my ass off uh, for interviews, right? I had, you know, mock behavioral question sessions with friends. You know, I watched a ton of YouTube videos, went on Reddit to get career advice uh, and sample answers. Um, and I even remember printing out a sheet of 100 common interview questions, laminating that piece of paper, those two pieces of paper, and then taping them uh, in my bathroom. And so every day when I took a shower or I was just going to the bathroom, I would like look at one question and practice that question and talk to my um, So it was like a very interesting experience, but that's just kind of what worked for me uh, in terms of prep. Uh, and so, you know, even with all that prep, you know, my, I did make it through the phone screening uh, for both the insurance company and the consulting firm. Um, but even with all that prep during the second round of my interview with the insurance company, uh, the insurance company had some like, you know, brain teasers and like technical questions. And I distinctly remember uh, my interviewer asking me questions about Monte Carlo simulations and stochastic processes. And at this point, I'm like 19 years old and I've not taken any advanced stat classes. Um, so you can imagine that I'm like, dude, what, what the fuck? <laughs> so I bombed that super hard. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you know, it was still a really good lesson for me where it was like, okay, how do I deal with questions that, you know, I'm not prepared for, right? How do I deal with questions that I actually don't know the answer to? So I kind of walked out of that interview feeling dejected, but overall I still viewed it as kind of a positive experience. Uh, on the other hand, the consulting company interview went super well. Uh, it was all behavioral questions. Um, but for second rounds, there was an Excel assessment. Um, and it just so happened that a lot of the uh, Excel shortcuts that I learned during my prior year uh, Big Four externship uh, came in handy. So that went super well, and it was great enough such that the company flew me out to Denver uh, for the final round interview for the internship, and, you know, I got the job. Um, and I was kind of in disbelief, you know, again, super grateful for this, but, you know, just think about this where... You know, Fortune 500 company, very large, prestigious consulting firm, uh, kind of taking the chance on, taking a chance rather, on a 19-year-old kid with very little experience. Um, and it was their their singular intern for the summer. So it was like, I, I don't know, like, and that's when, you know, I kind of started having like, hey, uh, are, the, are the expectations like really low or really high maybe? Um, and I had like no idea what I was doing. So, so yeah, I, I want to understand this 19 year old Patrick a little bit more. Like, huh? I, I understand that going into college, you were interested in math, but uh, now you're in sophomore year, and even throughout your freshman year, I, I kept wondering to myself, what is it that motivated you so much towards you know a specific career path? Like, were you also interested in finance as well? Um, and also, was there a sort of culture within Berkeley that was very career oriented? Because, um, I mean, a lot of my colleagues in school were not so you know, clear headed. They didn't have a clear vision of exactly what they wanted to do, and nor were they necessarily motivated throughout their college uh, career with a sort of, you know, professionalism in mind. Whereas here, you're already in sophomore year, you got internships lined up. And you got even Excel skills to boot. He's already um, crunching numbers too. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> What's driving you through this process? Yeah. So really good questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig a little bit deeper here, but ultimately I, I came into Berkeley wanting to study uh, math and stats, and I was like, okay, let me try to do the fancy double major. Um, but also a lot of the classes kind of overlapped, so I thought it was gonna be potentially a really good fit. And so I took multivariable calc my first semester. Uh, you know, I loved it. I was like, math is a thing for me. And then mm -hmm. I took uh, discrete mathematics my second semester. I was like, okay, uh, this is a little bit less for me. And then during sophomore first semester, I started taking like my first very complex math classes. And literally on the second lecture, I was like, okay, math, 
is not for me. <laughs> and I basically, again, kind of going back to like my, my informal upperclassmen uh, mentors, I was basically like, hey, if I'm struggling in this class, even on the second lecture, like, is math the right uh, path for me? And a lot of them were like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it, dude. Like, that class is notoriously difficult. The average grade is a C minus. Uh, and everyone kind of goes through that existential crisis. Um, and it's kind of Berkeley's way of gatekeeping uh, math from certain students. Uh, and so I was like, okay, uh, I guess I'll like try to tough it out. And so I went to like uh, lectures like three, four, five. And I was like, oh, I'm not feeling this, dude. And that kind of sparked a kind of conflict within me where I'm like, yeah, I was like pretty good at math in high school, but now I come to college and it's a completely different game. Right. And I think a lot of people go through that as well, where in high school you have this like core vision of what you might be doing and you come to college and you realize it's a completely different story. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I was I was a little bit defeated, but rather than being thinking like, hey, math is not for me, I try to think of, OK, if I'm not going to do a math oriented job, uh, math oriented um, major, what jobs can I do that are still somewhat fitting to my skill set? Uh, but may not require that degree of you know, technicality from that upper div math class. So again, I kind of, you know, went up to some of my older college friends and I was like, hey, you know, I feel like I'm not going to pursue math anymore. And I might do stats and econ. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, that's what actually people do, right? And I was like, okay, well, if I want to be a CPA or an actuary, am I going to need any of these math classes or these math skills? Uh, and one of my friends who was a senior was like, dude, you're not going to need any of this. Like the, in, in most companies, there's going to be software that helps you run all these calcs. And so it's perfectly fine um, if you're not majoring, you know, specifically in math. And that kind of reinforced, you know, my confidence as well as, you know, my kind of belief that even if I didn't, you know, study math uh, hardcore, like I would still be okay. Right. And I kind of wanted to test that as well applying to jobs and getting an internship to see what that work life was like, right? So for example, you know, people might tell me that I don't need very, very complex math uh, in being an actuary, but what if I, you know, started the job on day one uh, and I didn't need super complex math, right? And, but I would never know until I got to that point, right? So I, I think the important takeaway for me was, you know, it's important to fail so that you can move forward. It's important to experience so that you can define what you want to do. Hmm. So obviously your mentors then were very critical in giving you sort of practical grounding to your interests, I guess. Or did you, were you always very career oriented? I definitely wasn't uh, until I saw that ramble of my older friends being like, oh crap, like I, I got a good job this summer. I got a, you know, I, I need a job when I graduate, right? Um, and kind of seeing them kind of go through that scramble. Again, I was like trying to kind of hang out and fit in with the cool kids at the time. So I was like, okay, you know what they're doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna follow that, right? I'm gonna do what they're gonna do, right? If they're gonna study at the library on Thursday at 2 a.m., I'll, you know, I'll go and hang out with you guys, right? And again, that's part of like living that life experience that I really wanted. So, you know, if they were going to apply to jobs, you know, I'm going to apply to jobs, right? And that's, again, kind of that uh, realism that they instilled in me. They were like, hey, you know, you're probably not going to get anything. And I was like, maybe. Uh, but it really hit me when I sent out, like, 30 applications. I didn't hear back from a single one. Uh, and I really empathize with the people who, you know, are, are like, Reddit, uh, you know, find a job or whatnot. And they're like, hey, I applied tons of jobs. And it can be very draining um, to send out a ton of apps but never hear back. So again, I feel like I, I got lucky, but you know, I really put myself out there uh, and tried to best prep myself uh, as early as it advance in advance so that I could make those mistakes um, and kind of better know what to do uh, when it came to like the real trial. Um, but yeah, I guess going back to the story uh, super quickly, so, you know, during my sophomore summer, uh, I just moved straight to Denver, spent three months in Denver, uh, and worked as an actuarial consulting intern. Um, and so, you know, for our, our podcast viewers, I'm not the most uh, sociable dude. Um, so during these three months in Denver, really all I thought about was how do I work? 
uh, and then I just like played video games and, and watched uh, movies in my free time. So I really poured my heart and soul to that internship and learned, you know, as much Excel, as much VBA, you know, as much, you know, about consulting, being an actuary um, as I could, you know, during those three months. And again, you know, I, I think I was lucky enough to be in the position where I was still a sophomore. So I still had a junior summer to have an internship, which is why I had the mentality of, yeah, I'm going to go into this internship. I'm going to mess up a lot so that, again, I can learn from that. Um, so there's a very funny story about this where um, my manager had like a very uh, unique uh, mindset about work. Uh, he was very loud, very boisterous, very transparent. Um, so on my second day of work, I like turned in a, a mini deliverable to him. And he told me on the spot, like, hey, Patrick, this is fucking wrong. <laughs> and that like broke me. Like, <laughs> uh, But I really, really needed that, right? I, I think it gave me an output into, you know, what uh, working in consulting would be like. And of course, like as soon as he saw my face, he was like, "Oh no, no!" I'm like, "I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean it in that way." Um, but having that kind of brutal honesty is, you know, something that really stayed with me, and it's something that I think I carry forward today in my personality. Um, but yeah, so you know, software summer, super fun and interesting. Really loved the work. It just happened to be a really good fit, and so at the end of the ten weeks, I was like, "Hey, this is this is lit, right?" Like, I, I feel like I'd be okay doing this as a career and for the rest of my life. And so uh, at the end of the internship, you know, the company, I guess, liked me enough such that they offered me uh, the full-time job two years in the future. Two years, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. On the condition that I would also return uh, during my junior summer. So, wow. you know, I think, and I was super lucky, you know, I finished recruiting uh, during my sophomore year of college. Uh, yeah, so, you know, fast fast forward, you know, the summer after that, I went back to Denver, you know, had another great internship. You know, again, I'm mostly in there, so it was like super smooth and easy fit. And then the year after that, you know, I moved from Berkeley slash uh, San Francisco, California, uh, over to Denver to kind of start my full-time job. Um, so, so post-college, uh, I spent a total of four years working in Denver. Uh, and I usually like to think about this time as kind of my, my monk mood in life. Uh, you know, when we're done with school, you know, it's I thought of this as the time to kind of just put down in my head, you know, work super hard and try to kind of transform myself into a mature, uh, responsible, uh, an independent adult, or at least kind of try to. Um, yeah, so I really spent those four years, you know, learning and defining who I was as a person, right, and master uh, certain skill sets that are going to be useful, working as a consulting actuary, you know, reading a ton of books, uh, a lot of kind of typical boring activities that I think uh, a lot of people in their kind of late 20s, early 30s will you know, relate to. And, you know, it's not to say that those four years were easy, you know, I'll mention that due to the, the nature of consulting. You know, the average time that I was working kind of varied from 60 to 100 hours a week, with most weeks being in the 70 to 80 hour range. Um, you know, and that gets really tough when you're you're in the gauntlet for like five, six, eight weeks um, straight with no weekend. Um, and, you know, my life schedule is literally, you know, wake up, work, eat, work, work more, and then go to sleep. And then kind of rinse and repeat, you know, maybe 15, 20 days in a row. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I think the, the burnout is definitely real for a lot of people that work in consulting. Uh, and it's definitely not for everyone. But I do think that for the people that who can survive, you know, when whenever I talk to ex-consultants, you know, they always kind of look back at the experience in hindsight and say that, hey, the experience was actually, you know, pretty amazing, right? You know, I definitely would not be the person that I am today without that suffering and without that um, also like a lot of the the travel perks were a lot of fun you know staying in hotels you know getting to meet clients eating like fancy dinners um that was all obviously a super fun part of it but you know i never forget you know those two three a.m nights uh when i was just 
sitting in the office, uh, not necessarily alone, um, but you know, just working these days. Um, there are like probably hundreds of stories that I can tell uh, about my four years of, of working at a uh, consulting company in, in Denver. Um, so we'll save those for another time, but yeah, basically over those four years, you know, I slowly climbed the career ladder there. Uh, you know, fairly standard process of getting promoted on the standard cycle. Um, but yeah, that was my time in Denver. So just to get a little more context about what it's like being a consultant, um, what exactly about being a consultant attracted you the most? Was it the sort of innate, like a the sort of uh, value of trying to help another person or you know your client that is with their specific needs um was it you know having to learn something new in order to um you know address those needs what what excited you so much about being a consultant and what made you such a great fit for the job great question uh and i think everyone has different motivations but at least for me it was definitely more of the latter uh, I will mention that basically post college, you know, I started to recognize that certain individuals were significantly more technical than I was, um, and that was a lot of the actuaries who, you know, had dual degrees in computer science or who loved those very high-level technical um, math classes that were kind of the turnaway point for me. And so I thought, okay, I need to differentiate myself, you know, somehow, right? And the beautiful part of consulting is that it's not just a technical skill, it's also about delivery and the storytelling and the presentational aspect of the job, right? So my, the work might be slightly different uh, in comparison to working at an insurance company where you might be working in small teams, and most of the time you're at your desk, right, 50 weeks a year. Uh, in consulting, it's very different in the sense that you might be at your desk for 10 hours a day, but you're also out on the road. You're also talking with people and you're having those meetings, right? I will, I will mention that a lot of people do enjoy consulting because you are impacting you know, people's lives. Um, and especially as a you know, uh, in the health and benefits here, you know, a lot of the plan design or the insurance design that we build in actually do you know, directly impact uh, certain people or certain employees uh, at our clients. Um, but for me, it was just kind of about finding the fit uh, in the sense of, hey, I'm recognizing that I'm not super technical, and that's okay. Um, but I still love like math to a certain degree, right? And so, like, what job can I take that lends that math, but also has kind of a twist that I can learn from? Um, and that was that, you know, client delivery and client FaceTime. So I think it was a kind of a combination of those two pieces that really drove forward, you know, my career there. And then, you know, I think I talked a lot about where, you know, a lot of people work in for a couple of years and they ask themselves, you know, what's the point of this? Is it actually worth it? Um, and to that, I'd say, you know, I always took a perspective of gratitude for that, right? You know, even if I'm working till like 2 a.m., you know, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, I'm living in an, an awesome place in Denver. Um, you know, I have fantastic colleagues to work with. You know, this work is challenging, but it's also interesting and rewarding and dynamic because every client is different. Um, so I think part of that for me was tempering my expectations um, when it came to, you know, what a job was going to be like. Like, I wasn't going to you know, change the world, but I might impact the change for this company that might impact, you know, a thousand So, moving forward from the Denver time frame, um, so ultimately, spending, after spending four years in Denver, uh, my girlfriend, uh, who I love very much, uh, and we've been together for eight or nine years now, um, my girlfriend kind of brought up the question of, hey, are you ever going to move back to San Francisco? Uh, or, kind of, you know, what, what's going on? Uh, at this point, we'd only been six or seven years uh, relationship uh, and our time long distance my four years in Denver was about to surpass the time together in person 
And so, you know, as much as I love Denver, I was like, okay, you know, I, I think this is time. I've had my fun here. You know, I've worked really hard. Let me uh, transfer over to San Francisco. I will save that story uh, for another episode. Um, but the transfer is definitely not as soon as I would have liked it to be. Uh, but ultimately, I moved. And so that summer was super interesting because even though I transferred to San Francisco, uh, I was still primarily working on general science. So summer of 2019, was super um, I was pretty much in San uh Friday through Friday, and then doing a road commute out to Denver, Phoenix, Portland, uh, sometimes having you know three to four flights uh, in a single week. Um, and, you know, even despite that, you know, super close connection to Denver, um, whenever I was in the San Francisco office, you know, I really loved everyone there. And the San Francisco office definitely felt like much more of a family uh, to me. And maybe it was because, you know, I happened to be one of the more senior folks and a lot of the, you know, analysts and consultants um, were also perfectly alumni. We just all got along, you know, super well. Um, but it was, it was just super awesome to have such nice people like supporting you and trusting you. Um, and that was around the time when, you know, I started to make more, I guess, weighty decisions when it came to, you know, clients uh, as well as work and project management overall. Um, so after a kind of a super hectic summer of still staying on with your clients, you know, fast forward to winter of 2019, uh, I pretty much finished the flight that I had and I was in the office pretty much every day. Um, and I started to get on some local San Francisco clients with our San Francisco team. Um, and this part is really interesting because for the most part in Denver, my role was to be kind of like the solid or strong second or the number two person on most of my client teams. Meaning there would be a vice president or a managing director as a client lead. And I would kind of function as the day-to-day -day client contact as well as our internal team organizer or kind of project manager. Um, but kind of given how strained staffing was in San Francisco, uh, a lot of people kind of pushed me to kind of take the lead on a bunch of smaller client accounts uh, on everything from A to Z. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people would kind of take that staffing as, as a negative thing. And they would say, hey, I used to have all these resources, like three analysts as well as an SVP to help me out. Um, now it feels like you're kind of getting shafted um, and just kind of doing things on your own. But I kind of looked at this experience as, you know, potential opportunity for me to see the whole chain of command from A to Z and for me to really take that independence and leadership. Um, so I would say that that time around, you know, winter 2019, really marked my transition into you know, more of a, a leadership role uh, within the company and organization. Uh, I was managing you know, three analysts before that, you know, coming out of Denver. Uh, but this was kind of the first time again where you know, everything was on me, right? There was no senior vice president to go to. You know, the client expected me to know everything. There wasn't someone else that I could reach out to on a call to be like, oh, I'm not sure. Um, so you can imagine kind of like with all major life experiences for me, um, this was a time period of you know, massive learning. I, I messed up a lot. You know, I got yelled at a lot. <laughs> um, but again, I, I try not to treat it, as, treat it as a negative thing, but really as a, hey, you know, I'm, I'm learning from this, right? And um, yeah, even though I got yelled at a lot, you know, uh, I think that's like part of, part of the fun of learning, right? And, you know, once you go through that period of getting yelled at, then you know what to do, right? Then you know how to experience things uh, and do things well, right? And I think that I really saw that where, you know, maybe in the first two months of being on a certain client, um, the client would call me and I would say, hey, I need to kind of get back to you on this because I wasn't sure, right? And I'd respond to them in an, an email like three hours later. And then when the year end came, uh, the client would reach back out to me and say, you know, I have some feedback. You know, sometimes we need, you know, responses more quickly uh, than what you're able to give, right? And, and that, was, that was good to kind of click for me where, you know, maybe rather than necessarily, you know, doing all of the research and, you know, taking three hours after a client call to get back to them, you know, maybe I, maybe I did know the answer to a lot of those questions, but I just didn't have the courage and confidence to mention that in front of the client. 
Um, so again, again, super, you know, good experience. Um, and I think things really start to improve and pick up moving into kind of Q1 and Q2 of 2020. So it went from a curiosity and interest in math to the more sort of people-oriented aspects of the job where you're interacting with clients and you're also managing teams. That's that's really been motivating you recently, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I feel like one of the, the biggest points for me, again, just as you continue throughout your career was, you know, kind of coming to terms that I'm not necessarily going to be that super technical individual. And that's not to say that I can't learn that on my own on the side. Um, but for me, you know, I started to enjoy that client interaction a lot and right. And starting to provide that influence of being a good consultant to the client. Um, yeah. And also, you know, on the internal side, you know, managing analysts was a lot of fun um, and kind of mentoring them because again, you know, my life philosophy is you should always leave things behind better, right? So, you know, I suffered a lot as an analyst, um, but I always tried to make my, do my best in terms of making sure that my analysts would need to go through that same experience, right? And we would always make sure to sit down and have conversations about uh, either, you know, background context on why something needs to be done, as well as why it needs to be done so quickly, um, as well as conversations about, hey, how can we improve the current process, right? Like, what is bad about it? Right. Why does it take you so long and what can we do about that? Right. So I think instilling that mindset into the next generation will you know, ultimately improve, you know, the firm overall as that kind of trickles down. Um, and I will also mention to this is, you know, kind of similar to my college mentors, I definitely latched on uh, to a, a mentor or a senior uh, at the consulting firm as well. Um, you know, she sat out of Portland. And she was that person that I could go to and be like, hey, I have this very dumb question that I should probably know, but I really need to know, so can you please tell me? Um, and I'm super grateful for you know all the patience that she had with me in teaching me basically everything that I know to this day. What, uh, what I noticed like, throughout your story is that you have the mindset of being proactive and not letting um, just, challenges stop you like you know if you had an obstacle that um brought you down a little bit you'd be like it's okay you know the next step is right here so um i know it's like and some challenges that i faced you know out of um getting my first job you know being a temp and everything was that you know I, at some points it felt like more like i was a bus boy and like compared to you, it's like I feel like maybe I could have taken your proactive stance and kind of just be not so like I guess of a complainer of like going back home, complaining to my parents or friends saying, you know, they just made me pick stuff up, put them down today. You know, what's really great about that, right? So would you say just, you know, having that sort of, I think, energetic energy where it's just like, you know, you keep asking questions, you want to try to get to the next step and everything. It allows people to see, hey, you know, this Patrick kid, you know, he's much more, he has much more potential than just being a busboy. You know, let's give him projects and trust him on certain things and aspects. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think people should, should be proactive, right? Like good things are only going to happen to the people who take those chances. Um, but I think it's also important to highlight the, the mentality here, right? It's, it's easy to feel really dejected Right when in, when it comes to struggling to get a job app in or getting accepted into something or talking to your manager and getting rejected, um, and the way that I view that is, you know, it's it's okay to feel sad and dejected, right? I think that's natural, right? That's part of us being human, uh, but it's also important to to kind of revel in that sadness and accept it as a natural process of your career. Right. Like not everything is going to be like, hey, I'm just going to get promoted, like I'm going to do good work. I'm going to get compensated fairly. And everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. Right. There there will definitely be those times when, you know, the going gets rough. Uh, but it's up to your kind of mentality and willpower to kind of transform those thoughts because everything is in your mind. Right. And how you interpret those you know, thoughts and how you translate into those thoughts and actions are truly what's going to determine that outcome. So, you know, I will definitely mention that. You know, there was times when I talked to my with my manager and I was like, hey, uh, I just spent 80 hours on this project. 
Uh, and now you're going to staff me for another four weeks of 80 hours a week. And he was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, that was not the answer that I was expecting, but okay. And so I was like, okay, let's, let's dive deeper into that. Right. And I was like, Hey, you know, I have, you know, my girlfriend's birthday is coming up. I have a couple of events happening over the weekend. Like, you know, there are certain constraints that I need to work around. Right. And I may or may not be able to commit to that, this full work schedule. Right. And I think again, that communication, right. And not just, not just me walking away, feeling sad and resigning to my fate, but having that open communication and dialogue with my manager, you know, kind of help smooth things over. Yeah, I think it's it's tough, but having that kind of optimistic uh, personality, which I know is not not the easiest for everyone, um, definitely kind of drives forward. And having that you know forward thinking mentality, where you know something might be bad now, but it will get better if I work at it, um, it is the correct mindset to have. Okay, so I think we ended off there at Q1, kind of twenty twenty. Again, leading a lot of San Francisco clients. Um, and so kind of moving forward to Q2 2020, you know, we have, you know, the big uh, coronavirus hitting, you know, there's no more business travel, everything is done remote. Um, and it was at this time when one of my former clients actually reached out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, and they were like, hey, Patrick, you know, we know you worked with us for four years in Denver. Uh, we just happened to have a role where one of our senior managers that you interfaced uh, decide to leave. Uh, would you like to come over to our company? Uh, and this was like when I was about one year off this client uh, coming off of Denver. Um, so there was no like non-compete or anything. Uh, not that that's really enforceable in California, but I was kind of like, okay, uh, why not? And so, you know, I forwarded my resume over, you know, updated everything. I had a couple client uh, calls with the team that I knew super well from my four years of experience with them. Uh, and I was lucky enough to kind of get a job offer, you know, literally six days after I sent over my resume. And so, you know, that kind of got me thinking like, hey, you know, you know, what else, what else is out there? Uh, you know, technically I've been at the consulting house for you know, seven years now, if you include my internships. So maybe it's time for something new, right? You know, I, even though I'm learning all these things as I kind of continue my path in consulting. Um, what about like the startup space? Or what about the PEO space? Kind of like what my my client was in. So basically, I went through my, you know, LinkedIn in mail, uh, you know, I found some interesting messages that recruiters had sent out. And then I started mass recruiting. Um, and I kept that same spirit as I did during sophomore year, which was, I'm gonna, you know, send out as many apps as possible in things that I'm interested in. And then, you know, not get not get too dejected. Uh, when I didn't hear back, because this was another instance where, you know, I sent out probably like 40 apps, uh, and I only heard back from from three uh, companies. Um, but one of the companies that did kind of reach back out to me uh, was this health insurance startup that I also interacted with uh, as a consultant in kind of the prior years uh, leading up to uh, my transfer to San Francisco. Uh, and everything just seemed to mesh in place, you know, again, interviewed with the team. Um, really enjoyed talking with everyone there. And I accepted that offer and started my first new job ever uh, in July of 2020. So, you know, I can imagine that, you know, the, the transition from traditional corporate environment, from a traditional corporate environment to a startup is, you know, super different. Uh, and it was super interesting. And I'm happy to kind of dive into this segment a little bit more on a future episode. Um, but you can imagine that it's been life changing for me uh, over these past few months. The first thing that I'll mention very quickly is, you know, the energy is just so different in a startup. Uh, and the overall structure is just super chaotic, uh, but in almost like a beautiful way, because everything is so dynamic in a startup. Um, yeah, and I, I was hired at this startup as, you know, effectively at the, you know, associate director level. Um, so I worked directly under the chief actuary. Um, and, you know, that's super awesome because I can essentially kind of set the rules and build the protocol and organizational structure to how I believe it should be. Um, so the plus side there is that it's, it's pure freedom, right? Um, you know, for example, uh, we literally had a team meeting on my third day of working in the company about working on some automated reporting 
Uh, and, you know, I just raised my hand and I was like, hey, you know, based on my experience looking at all these clients uh, and from my experience in consulting, you know, I think these reports should include uh, these three additional metrics. And everyone was just like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And that, that, that was when it really clicked for me, right? Because if I had brought something like that up into a traditional client or within uh, the consulting firm, um, there's, there's definitely a lot of politics uh, and a lot of kind of meandering to kind of push through that change. But here at a startup, you know, I kind of mentioned this idea, I explained my rationale, and everyone, everyone was just like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so of course I'm like, wow, you know, I, I can't believe that there's this much, this much trust in someone who just started three days ago. Um, and it's, you know, again, just such a straightforward process that's not bogged down by, you know, traditional corporate principles. Uh, but the flip side there was I did discover that when I mentioned that we should include uh, these XYZ uh, additional metrics into reporting, uh, I effectively volunteered myself uh, to build out those pieces. Um, so again, kind of give and take there, but you know that's kind of the the beauty and the responsibility uh, part of that. Yeah, so you know the the past you know couple of months have been super awesome. You know, similar kind of lifestyle where you know work is super busy. You know, working sixty eighty plus hours a week. Um, but there's there's kind of a a ton of learning and growth there as well. Um, so yeah, you know that's kind of where I'm at today, and. Yeah, happy to continue this journey forward. I mean, you don't have to agree with me, but just throughout this whole episode, you know, I've built up some general themes is that one definitely, um, you know, it's the one that encompasses all um, throughout your career journeys. Like, you know, there are challenges, but you really did kept like a level head. And, you know, at the end, it's, it's the optimistic like um, flow that really allowed you to keep going. And just talking about flow, I think the second theme was, you know, I think out of all these years that you've been working, there's been kind of like a, a flow, like even though you set the transition maybe from Denver to San Francisco while you were in that, you know, current company wasn't that um, smooth. However, there was a flow and just a sort of stability and then a direction where you knew you wanted to go for. And I think um, in future episodes, we can mention it, but it's like, um, I'm sure that you've talked to a lot of people and a lot of mentors about what the next move is and how to plan it. So I think um, like one of the, the third, probably most important theme is that um, just you do your research, you know, down, down to a T Patrick. And um, I think that really does help in terms of just, you know, just making um, the dream become a reality. Yeah. I don't know if you have anything else to add, Rahul, but um, I think those were the main things I saw in Patrick's journey. Yeah, I would say for me, an important takeaway was also the optimistic mindset. Um, one of my colleagues uh, at a previous uh, job I did um, once mentioned to me when I was yelled at by my boss, uh, who was essentially actually the CEO of the company, um, told me that if you're being yelled at, then you're doing something important. So that's something to, you know, be excited about, you know. And, uh, you know, listening to your story, Patrick, um, it's definitely true where, you know, you have the opportunity to take negative experiences or, you know, those, those uh, scoldings that you might receive from someone higher up than you. Um, as an opportunity to grow, to reflect on as, you know, hey, this is what happened and this is what I can do better. And uh, just listening to your story, I mean, uh, it seems uh, very obvious that that sort of mindset is effective because you've just, and you know, consistently grown throughout your career. And, uh, you know, I took a lot of it um, as something that I can apply to my uh, you know, daily grind. So I look forward to seeing how uh, my own career now <laughs> will expand thanks to all the advice I've I've received from listening to your story. So um, just a very inspiring story. Thanks, Van. Yeah, I, I want to touch upon a little bit about that optimism uh, again very quickly. You know, I think, you know, especially in these times today with, you know, coronavirus and whatnot, 
it, it's hard to remain positive. And a lot of people are stressed out by a lot of things. And, you know, I think a lot of that is, is natural and understandable and expected. So I, I agree with the overall optimistic mindset, but I want to kind of frame this as practical optimism in the mm -hmm. sense that it, it's okay to be sad, right? It, it's okay to be stressed out. It's okay to be mopey and say, I don't want to work today, right? But it's not okay to kind of stay in that mindset forever, right? You need to revel in it. You need to accept it. And then only when you accept it can you move forward. And I think that that was kind of the secret to me um, in terms of, you know, trying to keep a level-headed mindset and mentality for pushing my career. Would you say uh, that you push it yourself or is that certain other other influences like people in your lives push it too? Because I remember um, you telling me that slow and steady, you know, wins the race. And that could be another theme that I see because you stayed at that company for, like you said, oh, if you include the internship time, seven years. And now, you know, you took that experience, you found, you know, the right opportunity and you went for it. So, I mean, for me personally, um, I'm the type of person to kind of, Kind of reacting emotionally from time to time and i realized that you know sometimes slow and steady does win the race but how would you would you tell your um our viewers like you know is that something you learned as you grew or is this just something that you're like you know from day one yeah great question i i think this is a little bit more complex as well uh but what well what i will say first is that everybody is different um so i think if you're the type of person who wants to move from job to job to job, you know, every year, every couple of years, then like, go ahead, right? Like you do you, right? If you believe that's what's gonna define your success, um, then go ahead and, and do that, right? And don't let anybody or any anyone's opinions, you know, stop you from achieving that, right? You know, something that often comes up, I think for people our age is, we we don't know what we want to do. And, and my response to that is always, you will never know unless you try something. Right. And then a lot of the, the feedback that I get from that is then, okay, but then I feel like, let's say, for example, I hopped into a career in finance. I worked there for a year and a half. I thought it wasn't for me. So I left that and then I moved to marketing and then I worked a year and a half in that. And then I didn't like it. So I'm going to move to something else. Then they feel like their time in marketing and finance was a waste. And my argument is there is no such thing as wasted time, right? You would not be here and you would not be the person you are today without those experiences in marketing and finance. And if you did not take those jobs and work in those jobs for a year and a half or however long you worked in those positions, you would not know if marketing or finance was the right career path for you. Um, so I'll kind of close that, that out by saying this, where you know, life, is, life is not a race. Um, I think a lot of people think you know, there's this ultimate churn and the speed way to get to the top of the career ladder. Um, but I would say that uh, it's more like a marathon where you're not competing with someone else to get to a destination more quickly, but you're more of just grinding something out uh, on your own journey. Mm. Uh, I, a really good example of that I'll always mention is, uh, you know, Barack Obama was the president of the United States and he, you know, kind of finished that pinnacle of his career, I think closer to age 50. And then you look at Donald Trump right now, who's the current president, and he's like 70 something, right? That's that's already a gap of 20 years, right? And same thing with, you know, you hear about Mark Zuckerberg is like 35, 36 years old. Look at the age discrepancy there, right? So I think when, when we feel rushed to get things out, uh, it's important to take that into perspective where, you know, we, we have very long lives. Right. And it's okay to take, you know, that year, year and a half to experiment and learn new things because you still actually have so much time to figure out what you want to do. That's a very good mindset. Uh, sorry, Rahul, were you about to say something? No, I just wanted to say that one of the things I also realized in hearing uh, your story, Patrick, is that humility is also important. Um, I think uh, you described that one of the things that made you a good fit for consulting was the constant necessity to learn. Um, and I think you've proved very well that humility is a very important part of that. 
um, even in the learning process, whether it's the skill set that's required for, you know, accomplishing a certain task, um, you also need to, in some sense, throw away what you know in order to learn better. And uh, I think, uh, you know, how you also handle your day-to-day -day situations with, let's say, your manager um, or, you know, your other colleagues um, and getting their feedback, you've also been very effective at, you know, quieting your ego, um, being less emotional and uh, taking everything one step at a time. And I think that's also uh, perhaps a, another great takeaway uh, for other people to really uh, apply everything that you've worked, uh, that you've uh, sort of accomplished and demonstrated in your story. So, uh, so just wanted to add that as an additional comment there, but uh, yes, that's all. <laughs> I mean, like the big um, two themes in our friendship that, you know, it is a friendship, but I also see that it translates into your career life and life in general is that one, uh, the feeling of this too shall pass and two, life is Gucci. And, you know, it's, it's refreshing to hear your story and see that there's just so much going on yet. It's, it's a consistent, I think it's a consistent, um, output of you know optimism from you that i don't i don't see much in the world these days so you know kudos to you and just keep, keep it going actually we're still in the present time so there's still the future right <laughs> my ego is like going through the roof right now you guys don't even know <laughs> yeah yeah i I feel like that's like a, a big core mantra that I have. And, you know, Curtis just mentioned it. Um, it's like, you know, life, life is Gucci. Uh, and I'm not necessarily referring to the brand, uh, but it's ultimately just translates, translates into, you know, life is good, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think just kind of having that, that gratitude in our day-to-day -day lives is going to make you overall happier as a person, at least for me personally. So. Mm -hmm. Any other questions for this episode? Nope. I, I think I asked all I had to ask and just found, you know, the resonating themes, you know, at the end. But I, I know we'll have more to talk about now that our episodes are out of our um, career start in our career journey to present. Me too. I, uh, learned a lot from the stories, uh, especially since you know, I'm currently working as a consultant for the first time ever. So uh, listening to you going through the grind uh, is encouraging. Uh, and uh, I look forward to more of your stories up ahead. So thanks for sharing, man. For sure. Yeah. It's super funny just to our to our listeners very quickly. Uh, Rahul Curtis and I always have like a quick call to catch up uh, before we record these sessions. Um, and Rahul was just sharing his stories about working in consulting. And I was like, every single story he mentioned, I was like, hey, man, I've been there. Like, I, I went through that exact same thing. I know the pain. <laughs> but yeah, super good. Um, yeah, and thanks to you both for, you know, the feedback and encouragement. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We upload every other Thursday of the month. If you enjoyed the content, please follow our podcast channel. We strive to create content that would make a positive impact in your career journey. In return for our efforts, we would like to hear from you. For any suggestions, topic requests, or enlightening musings, please email contactrotm at gmail.com. We look forward to the next time you tune in for another episode.